Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. At its core, conflict avoidance is really people-pleasing due to a deeply ingrained fear of hurting or upsetting other people if you express your true feelings. This type of codependency leads to feelings of resentment and loneliness and ultimately hurts you and all your relationships. So whether you've got a partner who's conflict avoidant or you're dealing with your own conflict avoidance, today's episode is for you. So stay tuned while I walk you through my best tips for dealing with conflict avoidance, whether that's you Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your ever-loving host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. You should know that by now. I know you do. Nice to see you, <laughs> be with you. I really do see you. It's funny when I'm recording, I'm like talking to you. I, I really am. It's, it's a great feeling. I feel very connected when I do the podcast, and I, I really, really like that. So let's talk about, well, before I jump into too much of conflict avoidance, I do want to talk about um, you following me. <laughs> do you follow me? Are you behind me? Do I see you now? Uh, I'd love for you to follow me on social media, check out my stuff. I, everything's always about the inspiration. You can get, also sign up for my weekly newsletter. I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes at abbymetcalf.com. It's also all over the website. If you just go to the website, you know, ways to get to my social media are everywhere. And uh, I would love for you to, you know, uh, keep moving in that our relationship together and uh, follow me elsewhere and give me support that way. It does support me. It helps, uh, again, get me more visible. More people get to know me. The podcast is growing by leaps and bounds. So thank you for sharing. You know, share an episode with people you know. Share the podcast. Share, share, share. Uh, give the love. Give the love that we are having here to having a better relationship based on research and excellent experience. Uh, there you go. So today we're going to talk about conflict avoidance. I know it's an area near and dear to my own heart. I will share a little about my own issues uh, as we go here, but let's talk first about you know what it is just to get really clear. So we're all on the same page, you know, as I said, at its core, it's really people-pleasing. So again, a form of codependency in some way. And basically, the conflict avoider will make themselves uncomfortable in order to not make anyone else uncomfortable or upset or worried or whatever. Conflict avoiders 
don't want to rock the boat. They'll do kind of anything to not rock the boat from uh, sidestepping a difficult conversation. They might withdraw emotionally or completely deny the existence of an issue. We call this stonewalling also. All of that in order to just keep an even keel. And again, so conflict avoiders have, it's, it's an extreme fear of disappointing others or really being abandoned by others. That's what it comes down to as far as I'm concerned. So they'll figure out ways to deny or minimize problems so they don't have to discuss them, right? You don't have to discuss it if you don't think it's real. And the result of all this avoidance, though, are feelings of resentment. You got some hopelessness, some anger, and that builds up over time. And eventually those things come out in some really crappy, unhealthy ways. And I will tell you that uh, we have a psychological term I'm going to teach you right now called gunny sacking. And gunny sackers are people who silently keep score of all the injuries, uh, the objections, the annoyances, any wrongdoing someone did, any hurts. They kind of keep a tally of all this in their heads and in, 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 let's say with your partner, you know, a primary relationship and they just, they build and build and build and build until they can't take it another second. And then they do the volcano thing and they erupt, they explode on the other person. And often that ends up with, you know, the long list of issues. So you have been on one side of this, if you're listening, <laughs> where there's a lot of always talk, never talk, you know, you always do this, you know, our whole relationship, blah, 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 you never, da, da, da. And meanwhile, it was because, you know, you forgot to um, uh, bring home toilet paper when you promised that you would or so. It's, it's usually over not a big thing in that moment, but it's again, like the, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. It's the hundredth drop in the cup. And so it just gets to this place where then there's like a trigger and the conflict avoider kind of loses their shit is kind of what happens. And they'll bring up, I mean, they have a long held inventory of grievances. <laughs> They've got them all stowed away. They've been stuffing them. So they got them. And this is what happens when you don't resolve your feelings as things come up, they accumulate. They don't just go away. The feelings fairy doesn't come and make them go. So, and they accumulate until they can't be contained anymore. And so the, and some gunny sackers explode, right? Uh, but some don't. And what I have seen also, like I was never an exploder with my conflict avoidance. Uh, I would just leave. <laughs> I'd be done. So I'd be out of the relationship very suddenly. I would be out of the job very suddenly. I would just go. Or sometimes, sometimes people do both. Sometimes they explode and then they go. But there's there's like a very, you know, big hit. There's a very big reaction to what's going on. And often what happens really is that, so the gunny sacker takes these unhealthy actions you know, they explode or they leave or they do whatever. And then they feel embarrassed and ashamed that they did this thing. So, you know, they've let loose on this tirade or, or they regret leaving their job or the relationship later. And they're, they're so upset about that. They're so distraught that then they go, oh, I vow I'm never going to hold in my feeling. I'm, I'm going to never like express my feelings like that again. So now I'm, I'm making a, <laughs> I'm vowing to myself to hold in my feelings again. You can see the, yeah, you see where this is going. And then that just continues the cycle. 
So then they hold in their feelings again because, you know, I can't be trusted with my feelings. I get crazy. And then it gets to a critical point again and it explodes again. And then, you know, the cycle keeps happening. And really what you're learning and reinforcing is that sharing feelings is bad <clears throat> when that's really not what's happening. It's exploding is bad because you haven't shared your feelings, con you know, consistently. So we want to put an end to that today. But uh, before I jump there, I really want to talk about uh, a lot of people avoid conflict in a relationship because they think it's going to hurt the relationship. They think the conflict or the argument or saying their feelings, whatever, is going to hurt and they're doing it to avoid it. But really, conflict avoidance hurts your relationship. And I think there's actually sort of uh, three main ways that that happens, you know. Um, and Again, you might think it's easier to let things go and just be at peace. And again, that kind of works in the short term, but it becomes detrimental in the long term. And it ends up really eating away at the core of any relationship, wherever it is. So, okay. So again, there's these three main ways that I see that conflict avoidance hurts your relationships. And the first one is that it destroys trust, pure and simple. When you're avoiding conflict, you're essentially lying about your thoughts and your feelings about something. So that's what you're doing because you're not saying the truth. You have a truth. You're not saying it, whether you think that's omission or whatever. But And trust me, that it comes out other ways, please. But it, so you're kind of, you're lying. Consciously or unconsciously, your partner picks up on the lie. They can tell something is off. They know something isn't right. They might not know why or what, but they're, they're picking that up. So they don't trust you when you say everything is fine or when you refuse to discuss an issue, right? They're, they're not trusting you. They don't, they don't trust what you're saying. Or if you, uh, if you, even when you do finally say maybe something is bothering you or whatever, they're often not even trusting that because they're not sure because they haven't been able to trust you for so long. So they learn that they can't trust what you say. And this, of course, leaks into other areas of the relationship, right? I mean, if, if you don't got trust, we, we got some stuff breaking down. So that's the first way it hurts. The second way conflict avoidance hurts your relationship is because it hurts you. I love you. It's hurting you. <laughs> Whether you're the conflict avoider or if it's your partner, you end up, when there's conflict avoidance in a relationship, you end up with feelings of resentment, with frustration, with loneliness. Yeah. Can you see how these are not helping a relationship? And these feelings, they're going to roost somewhere. Again, the feelings fairy doesn't come and take them. So they might result, I think they most often result in sort of passive aggressive behavior. Sometimes people are overly critical or, you know, there's a lot of criticism in a relationship or, you know, because you're not saying, again, that's kind of part of the passive aggressive piece, I guess. You're not saying what you really are upset about. So it comes out in other ways. Uh, and, or you just, generally you're unhappy. That's a sucky thing to have. And I, I'm going to say this, it's also been found from the research, and I'll link to it in the show notes, that bottling up your emotions hurts you physically and can increase the risk of premature death, including death from cancer. I know. So I don't know. You, you got to share. Okay. Third reason, and there's many more, but I'm going to give you these top three, uh, that it hurts your relationships is because conflict avoiders withdraw. That's what happens. Or the person they're in a relationship with withdraws because, you know, again, the trust has eroded. 
So, but the conflict avoider definitely withdraws. They don't share their true feelings. They're not sharing their true thoughts. They feel, end up feeling more and more unsafe in the relationship and can actually, what I see a lot is that they end up blaming their partner for why they're not sharing. They're, they're blaming the other person really, you know, I can't share because they get crazy or they do this or they do that. Uh, and, but they're withdrawing. So now the partner's getting more upset and kind of chasing them. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And then they're avoiding more, you know, it's this terrible cycle that gets created and perpetuated. So, so it can show up. I mean, this emotional withdrawal can show up obviously in a lot of ways, you know, however you do it, but they, no matter how that happens, it all equals having distance in the relationship, which of course is never a good thing. So again, conflict avoidance doesn't protect your relationship. It hurts it. And there's really, excuse me, there's really like a main reason that I have found over the years that people are conflict avoidant. There's, there's really, it, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but it really all boils down to one thing. And it's, think about it. Why are you conflict avoidant? Why is someone conflict, conflict avoidant? It's because they're expecting that sharing their thoughts or feelings is going to result in something bad. It's going to result in a negative result. It's going to result in a negative result. It's going to you know, create some sort of negative outcome, whether that's a fight, whether that's that you abandon me and reject me, whether that's that you dismiss or criticize me, they, whatever it is, they think on the other side is badness. It's bad. So they do not want to go there. That's really what it is. And there's, you know, obviously been a lot of research on this. And a lot of it shows that conflict avoiders often come from homes where, you know, conflict was a bad thing. So maybe voicing your opinion in your home growing up meant it could mean getting slapped, getting hit, could mean getting yelled at, belittled, something worse. Uh, maybe it meant a parent withholding love or attention. I've had lots of clients tell me that, that, you know, they would say what they felt or they would ask for something, you know, like, hey, or they would disagree. And next thing they know, their parent is being withholding, <clears throat> sometimes even with physical things. I know, like, you know, go to your room, no dinner for you kind of thing. I know I demand respect. You, 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 you don't, you can't disagree some way. Um, maybe you grew up in a home where whenever you said something that was, you know, again, like your feelings and what you thought about something, and especially if that was disagreeing with anyone, maybe that was met with a lot of criticism. Maybe whatever you would share would be really be dismissed or minimized. These are all obviously good reasons why later in life you would say, I don't want to talk about my feelings when something comes up, when I disagree with you. I don't want to, or when I'm feeling hurt. You remember conflict avoiders, it's not just that you have a conflict and they don't want to talk about it. It's also just if you've done something, you know, unknowingly and they feel hurt, they're not going to say something. They just don't say anything. And so, uh, because they're fearing that there will be a conflict if they do. So, but I, I've also found, and I fall into this camp, that being a conflict avoider can be from what you didn't see as a kid. No, so not what you saw as a kid, which is what I just said, but from what you didn't see as a kid. And I will, so I will, I will share. In, so in my house growing up, I literally never saw my parents argue. Not, not once. Not once. Any disagreement no matter how small, m must have been behind closed doors. 
So I used to actually think my parents never fought. And I remember, you know, as I got older, obviously I realized, you know, that wasn't true because once we were all out of the house and, you know, once I was, you know, creating a relationship with them as an adult, I would see the sniping or the, you know, they would sort of go at each other or there would be a disagreement in front of people. I was shocked. And actually they did not do it well. Um, there was like some sniping and some mucky stuff. They didn't do it hardly, but they didn't do it great. Uh, but, you know, so, but, but growing up, I, if you think they never fought. So my parents were married for 54 years when my dad died, 53 years, 53, 54, one of those when my dad died. So I inadvertently learned that a successful relationship meant you didn't argue at all. Yeah. Let's all sit with that for a second. That's what I learned. That's what I grew up with. So I never saw conflicts resolved. You know, it, it, I never saw them resolved successfully. I didn't see what the give and take was. I didn't see how you ask questions or what you would do with that. So, and that's a skill, you know, learning to voice our opinions, learning when someone else has a different opinion and how to, how to negotiate that, how to, how to talk about that, how to be loving during that. That's a skill. You're not born with it. It's not something you just get, you learn it. So I didn't know how to voice my opinion if it differed from anyone else's. Uh, and not only, so I didn't, I didn't know how, so I didn't. I, and what makes it worse is I got a lot of kudos and positive reinforcement for going along with the program. So, so that's what I did for years. I did it in my romantic relationships. I did it with my siblings. I did it with my parents. I did it with my friends. I did it with everybody. <laughs> that's what I did for a long time. Now, I was also a heroin addict during all my growing up years. So, you know, make of that what you will. Talk about, again, that kind of gunny sacking almost, right? The, the explosions were happening. I was turning them inward. I was hurting myself. You know, I didn't know what to do with all of that, all those feelings. I didn't know, obviously, looking back, it's pretty easy, isn't it? And so I turned to something that let me not have feelings that, so whenever I got a feeling, I just made it go away and, and just had none. I was, you know, opiates are all about being numb, really. And obviously there's a kind of a happy, um, happy feeling connected with that also, a satisfied, content, you know, good feeling also, uh, which I mean, that's its own thing. So you can really see how growing up, you know, whatever was, was happening can really get in your way, you know, how, whatever, if it was, you know, the people being criticized and being open whenever you tried, or if it was like in my house where I just didn't do anything. And, and that becomes like, it feels like your personality. Oh, I'm the easygoing one. I'm the one who never's bothered by anything. Oh, she'll always say, yeah, you know, she'll go along. It was only, I remember getting, when I was in school, getting counseling degrees and I started working in a lot of different settings, especially, you know, drug rehabs and hospitals and triage and all kinds of places where I learned this. That's where I learned the skill of speaking to people when things were tough. <laughs> of disagreeing, of having a different point of view and how to do that, right? It, it, that's where I learned all that. And it's, it's very interesting today because in my, in my life today, I, when I'm at work, you know, if I'm with like, right, I talk, don't, I talk pretty real to you. I don't have any, I say things that are controversial. I say things that probably piss you off. I say all kinds of things. I say exactly what I feel. I do. I put it all out there. 
And with clients, I do the same. If something's going on, you know, I will go, I'll go in the lion's den, man. I'll, I'll push up my shirt sleeves and I will get to work with people. And it's really, and I actually, I, I see it as an opportunity for growth for everybody. I really go there. Um, I think it's one of my strengths. So I am not a conflict avoider when it comes to my work, but I still struggle in my personal life. I mean, I'm much better now, but it's definitely a thing I have to watch for. It's one of my areas, you know, my control freakness is one area. And this is my other area where I need to make sure I'm saying what I really feel or what I need or what I want uh, and not just like taking care of it on my own or, uh, you know, just like I'll, I'll do it myself kind of thing. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's something, yeah, that I have to be really mindful about. I want to always bring it to the forefront. It's, it's there. It's again, much easier now after years of practice and that kind of thing. But, uh, I'm just, I'm giving you a heads up that it's not like you get to some nirvana place with conflict avoidance where you're just perfect at it. It doesn't really work that way. Uh, but it really gets better. So, but coming back to my point, no matter, no matter the start to your life, as adults, conflict avoiders end up feeling that in some way, no matter where it came from, that sharing their opinions, their thoughts, and their feelings, that it's scary and not worth it. That's really what it comes down to. So there are, let's get to it. So let's get to what to do. So there are four main things to focus on if you're a conflict avoider or if you're dealing with a conflict avoider at home or really at work or anywhere, but if your partner is conflict avoiding or anything, there's really four things I want to touch on that are really important to, sh- to, change, to change this, to turn this around. So number one is to think different. This is the first things first, before you do anything else, really, if you're going to work on anything, I want you to work on this. You've got to change your beliefs about speaking up. You've got to create, right now, there's a negative neural association between, you know, something, a conflict out there, something you don't agree with, something that's not working for you, and sharing what you really feel. You've got a negative neural association. So you've got to create a positive neural association around sharing your thoughts and feelings with others. I know, crazy. And you do this using a technique I've talked about previously called cognitive reframing. And so I will, of course, link to that episode. I think it's episode 158, if I recall, but I will link to it in the show notes, uh, abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast. I will link to it there. But I want to quickly go over it here. Um, at its most basic level, cognitive reframing, It what it does is it helps you look at a situation or a person or a thought or a feeling from a different perspective. That's what That's what it does. It it's it's a strategy and it helps you open your your mindset, you know, what you think is so true to a new point of view, a new angle on what's happening so you can think differently about it. So it's perfect for this. So if you started thinking differently about voicing your opinion, if you started thinking differently about, you know, sharing what you feel and seeing it as a positive thing with a positive outcome, you'd be much more likely to do it and stop avoiding, right? Doesn't I mean, that's the thing. And it's really what happened for me at school where it was such a positive thing. I'm I'm watching as I, 
you know, as I'm practicing it, you know, learning about it in school and as I'm practicing it in all the different places I work, I see how people grow. I'm watching myself, you know, hang in there with people and talk about what's really going on. And I'm watching them blossom. I'm, I'm watching them feel loved. I'm watching them uh, be loving. I'm watching all the things. I'm watching them work through beliefs that they've had for a long time and really shift and change. That is super positively reinforcing. It's wonderful. So it really, I have, it's funny, I didn't even see it as conflict. You know, I had like a different way of even seeing it. I, as, as it wasn't conflict that I was trying to, you know, work with. It was more of just, just speaking my truth and someone had a different truth. And I want to ask questions about that. I want to get into that. I want to know more. But again, I have this positive expectation about it. I know it's helping people. It, at the very least, I know I'm getting paid to do this thing. So it's my ethical duty to do it, right? Ethically, I need to do this. And so it all feels uh, in line with doing, with going for it, right? With really saying it and not being afraid. So taking that, that's the skill, you know, it was really that aha moment that helped me take this into my personal life and using this cognitive reframing. So, because re I mean, really think about it, just saying that you're a conflict avoider is implying that there will be a conflict. <laughs> Any disagreement means conflict, that it's negative, that there's tension. There doesn't have to be. Disagreement or, or sharing your feelings can be absolutely seen as an opportunity for growth for yourself or for your relationship. It can be seen as engagement. Uh, it's a tool to create closeness. So cognitive reframing is just that. It's doing that. It's, I, it's funny with, again, it, in my work setting, I didn't have to cognitively reframe. It's just how I learned it. It just was this way. I didn't realize it was the same thing I was doing in my personal life differently. So it was just right there. So if just thinking of problems as challenges is a great cognitive reframe, you know, just even that, like, hey, this is a challenge I'm working on that, uh, uh, that in the past I've struggled with this, but I don't have to always struggle with this. So I'm, you know, this is, this is just a new challenge and I'm up for a challenge. Uh, thinking of a difference of opinion, you know, whatever that is, as an opportunity to get to know one another better and to build closeness, that's a cognitive reframe. That's how you do that. And again, you can learn, I have a five-step process for cognitive reframing. I'm going to, again, link to it in the show notes. You can, or look up episode 155 on your own, 158, sorry, on your own. Uh, but that's, you know, I'm not going to get into that here because we're going to go on to the next things. But if you really want more about how to do that, I have it all there. I've, I've got you. I've got your back. I love you. Got you. Got you covered. All right. So that's number one, cognitive reframing really changes the game and will make you less afraid to do the thing, which is great. Number two, and this is a biggie too that I talk about a lot, is really setting yourself up for success. And I, you know, how much do I go into this? I talk a lot about the importance of doing work before a conversation to better ensure success. Now, and I get that there's going to be times when you can't do that, but a lot of this stuff, you can. If, you know, you're disagreeing with your partner about something or, you know, you really feel upset about something, in a moment, you know, you got to think of timing and tone. Maybe in the moment, you're too triggered to deal with that thing. 
So it's is a good idea to wait a minute, you know, to to pull back and to again set yourself up for a better conversation. Over time, the more you do this, the better you'll get at it and you'll be able to do this on the fly. But but we're starting where we start. We're taking baby steps. So the first step is to get your physical self in check. And I can't say this enough. If if you've been avoiding conflict for a while, if this if you're listening now, you know, because the person you love is a conflict avoider or because you're a conflict avoider, then there's, again, as I mentioned earlier, there's a neural association of fear with sharing feelings, which basically means that the brain is hijacked, which makes this entire process very difficult. When your brain is hijacked, it's very hard. So again, when when your fear brain, your amygdala, I've talked about before, is lit up, that rational, calm, thinking part of your brain your prefrontal cortex, it can't come online. You can't come, you both can't work at the same time. So what you have to do is unhijack your brain first. And again, this is why you can't think of all the, you know, great things, great tools Abby taught you when you're in a moment sometimes because your amygdala has fired, you know, your your fight, flight, or freeze response is triggered. And so you're actually not able because your prefrontal cortex that would help you remember you know the great tool abby taught you or whatever that's why you can't so it's actually good to notice when you can't think of the good tool because right away you know that you have to do this first what i'm teaching you first and that is that you have to calm your brain and your nervous system first before you try anything else and that will allow you to actually access the thinking part of your brain and be calmer and have a good conversation and really do this. Okay. So, and there's a few ways to do it. So the easiest and simplest is you can take a one deep, slow breath. You can just, and it it does seem to be better to have a long exhale through your mouth if you can do that, but just taking a deep, slow breath stimulates your vagus nerve, which is part of your uh, parasympathetic nervous system, which is part of your kind of rest and digest uh, circuitry. And that helps calm your nervous system right there. Just a nice, deep, slow breath. And if you don't get it on the first try, try again. If you find that you're like, you know, doing that, then try it again. And you can also do, there's other exercises I have. Actually, I have a little YouTube video I made with the these like three quick things you can do. There's a shoulder shrug and some other stuff. So I'll link to that in the show notes and you can go watch that on YouTube. I think it's a 10 minute video or something. It's pretty short. Um, so that's what you do first before you try to do the rest. Now that you can think rationally, now that we've sort of unhooked, I know it sounds like it's too too good to be true, but it is that simple to sort of unhook. Uh, that hijacking. And then now that you can think rationally, I want you to write, you know, what what I would love is if you wrote down some beliefs you could have about the conversation you want to have. I think that would be really cool if you can do this step. And that would be, um, you know, you just write down what I, you know, here I am, I'm going to go in and talk to this person, you know, at one o'clock, it's now 12 o'clock. <laughs> I've taken some breaths. I've, you know, done a shoulder shrug, I've done these things, and now I'm going to write a few things down about what I want. So it might be, this doesn't have to be scary at all. Uh, The reaction I've had, that last reaction I just had a minute ago isn't real. Speaking about my uh, feelings is important, and I'm worthy of sharing them. 
Uh, it's not about the reaction I'm going to get from the other person. It's about standing up for myself in a healthy way. It's about being my own best advocate. Uh, you might write down, you know, I'm always improving myself. And th this is another way to do that. This is another way to share my feelings. It's all good. Everything is okay now. Not it's going to be all right. It is all right. Uh, you might write down, I'm working on being the healthiest, sanest person I can be. And this is a great step in that direction. There's nothing to fear here. There are no tigers. The only thing here is my love for myself. Uh, you might write, uh, being a conflict avoider is just something I learned from childhood and I can unlearn it. And I'm unlearning it right now. Uh, I am learning that my life can have ease and joy. I love knowing that I can have conversations that are constructive and that are going to draw me closer to the person I'm talking to. I love knowing that I have my own back. Um, I love knowing that feelings aren't facts and it's okay to share them and to talk about them. And it's not about right or wrong. Do you see where this is going? This is going to help again, more calm, more bringing you back to, to, center. I talk about this. This is a lot like the next best feeling thought, which I talk about in other podcasts, which I will absolutely link to in the show notes for you. If you want to get better at that particular little skill right there, I just showed you, I just demonstrated. So then when you're sitting with the other person, so see, I've done all this stuff before I'm even sitting with the person. Now I'm sitting with the person ready to have the conversation. And what I want you to do is first lay out your intentions out loud with them and e maybe even your feelings about what you're about to say. It's such a powerful, powerful tool to uh, you're being the dominant vibration of the room. You're taking charge of this conversation instead of like the scared little, you know, bunny rabbit coming to it, right? You are really coming in with your full self. And uh, so you might, you know, just speak start with that and it can really help. Uh, you might say, um, it's really hard for me to tell you how I'm feeling right now. So I'd like us to, you know, both take a breath and I'd like you to listen and hear me out um, before saying anything. Uh, I need to say, I'm trying to think of something else. I need to say something and it's my intention to be open and loving and that you'll do the same, that we're going to have a wonderful conversation and we're both going to walk away uh, feeling heard and mutually mutually satisfied. We're going to feel closer after this conversation. Um, I'm really looking forward to speaking more with you about my thoughts about X, whatever it is. You know, I know that together we can come up with a great plan. These are all ways to set up the conversation for success, for Letting people know right up front. Sometimes when I'm uh, having the conversation, you know, conversation with Carrie, uh, I'll, I, I, I will start that way. You know, okay, I have to talk to you about something. I've kind of been avoiding it. I don't want to avoid it. I love you. I, I know we're going to be fine with this. I know it's good. I know this is just my old crap coming up, my old fears. And you know what? We're, I, I trust you and I trust us. That's a biggie I say sometimes. I trust you and I trust us. To, you know, so here's what I want to say. And I'm hoping you can just listen for a little bit and really know that I'm a little afraid. So please be thoughtful in what you're saying to me. And let's, you know, let's figure this out together. That you can say all that. And you're really setting the other person up to be there for you. You're setting them up to know what to expect. 
in the same way that sometimes I'll say to Gary, you know, I'm really upset about something. I just want to vent. I don't want you to, you know, um, give me a suggestion. I don't want you to even really comment other than tell, to tell me you hear me and you feel for me and you love me. Like, that's all I want. And then he knows and he's set up for success and he can just be there for me. So it's really, you're setting both of you up for success that way. And it's a wonderful way to enter. It's very, very disarming for people to be so vulnerable and open. It's really good for you to know it and feel it. It's just really the way to start. I, I just, you know, and if you start wrong, quote unquote, you know, if you start in a different way or, or if you started perfectly, but then it gets off track, if it gets off track in any way, whether you've started well or not, or you haven't started well or not, you can always stop the conversation and say, okay, this got off track. I don't want it to be. I love you. I want us to come up with a solution together. You know what I mean? You can just come right back to it. Just reiterate it or say it for the first time if you forgot or whatever. But you can do it at any point in the conversation and it's effective. Okay. Number three of my four little quick tips is you got to show some empathy. Please. There is a reason you or your partner is a conflict avoider. And that reason deserves some empathy. I'm begging you. <sighs> conflict avoiders have learned this way of being. And there's, there's a basis, there, there's a motive for avoiding conflict. There, there's a reason. So, for example, so if your partner is the conflict avoider, it's important to remember that, you know, they're not avoiding you. They're avoiding some scary idea they have of what speaking their truth will mean. They, they see some yucky, horrible future vision consequence for sharing their true thoughts and feelings. So it'd be great for you to be as patient, as compassionate as possible. And, and really, you know, not to take their actions so personally. It, it's, it's understanding that this is their reaction. It doesn't have to be yours. And what do I say all the time, right? I say all the time, you've got to remember, you got to connect to correct. You have to connect to correct. So showing empathy and compassion, if your partner is a conflict avoider, is the best way to create a space where they'll start sharing what's real. <laughs> it, that, that's how you do it. And in the same vein, you you know, if you're, when you're doing that, you want to emphasize that you're a team. You're not going anywhere. You'll get through this together. You know, the things that I said to say, if it was, you know, kind of you coming in, you can also, if the other person's a conflict avoider, you kind of say the same things like, Hey, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to get through this together. Please tell me what you feel. Let's start there. Let's get to this. You know, I want to hear what you have to say. And you just have to be very careful, you know, not to start jumping in too soon or, you know, interrupting the process. It's really important. Now, if you're the one who struggled with conflicts, conflict avoidance, you know, if you're the one who's the conflict avoider, all, all the same applies. How, I know it's crazy thought, but what if you had some patience, some compassion, and some empathy for yourself? And this, it's a learned behavior. It's just a learned behavior. Have some empathy for yourself and remind yourself that you're, you know, that you're now taking new actions, which will become new habits over time. I know it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so there's always room for love in these conversations. There's, uh, you know, and look, make sure, you know, you're not annoyed and that kind of thing. And well, and actually, 
I'm getting ahead of myself. That brings me to my final little tip here. And that's to be mindful and immediate. Okay. So none of this will hold if you're not mindful before, during, and after the conversation. If you're not noticing, like if if they're the conflict avoider, right? And you're not noticing that you're feeling frustrated and annoyed and and you know, sick of this crap or whatever. That is not the way you're going to have a good conversation with this person. That is not the place where someone's going to share in a vulnerable, open way. Forget it. Forget it. You got to come from a different place. And the only way to do that is to be mindful. It's, it means that in the moment, you're aware of your reactions, your feelings, and your thoughts. That's all being mindful is. It means in the moment, not later, not four, four hours later when you think, oh, I should have said this and your face palming, you know, or, oh, I can't believe I said that. that that's later. That's being mindful later. <laughs> I want you mindful in the moment so that we can actually move the conversation in a good way. It's, you know, I, I, I know if you listen to me a lot, you better not be sick of me talking about it because what, what I want you to be is happy that I keep talking about it because I keep reminding you how important it is. Learning to be mindful is the key to a successful relationship with yourself and everyone around you. If you, if, if, if you want to know, that's it. I, I don't know what else to say. I've got a million blogs about it. I will link to some of them in the show notes. I have a million episodes, podcasts about it. You, I have a mindfulness starter kit. I will link to that in the show notes. You can also find that, I think, on the shop page. I'm pretty sure it's there. If it's not, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, there's a mindfulness starter kit. You can use that. I mean, just get going with it. That's all we want to do. And, you know, once you start practicing the te- these techniques, really do your best to speak your true thoughts and feelings as quickly as possible. Because the longer you ruminate on something, obviously, the more scared and avoidant you'll likely become. So if you can enter a conversation mindfully, speaking to an issue in the moment is always your best bet, you know, not allowing yourself to get so worked up and so upset and so worried. So the closer you can talk about something to when it ha- the thing happened, whatever upset you or whatever feels like the disagreement or the, or the disconnect, that's the best, best, best. But and over time, as you practice this, you'll get better and better at that. Like in a moment, you'll be able to just say like, hey, this feels kind of off. Can we, can we try this again? Or can you say that to me differently? Or, you know, you'll be able to sort of do that in those moments, right? Um, but in the, and that's great because the more you think about something, right, the bigger it gets, the worse it gets, the more crazy we get. So I don't want you doing any of that. I, if you can, if you can be immediate, then do it. But if you can't, then just try to do it as soon as you can to when it happened, whatever the event was. It's really, again, though, you've got to take those steps. You've got, if you don't create that sort of positive connection to this and really see this as a good thing, that's going to bring you closer, that's going to open things up. And if you don't come into the conversation with that calibration intact, with that really clear and true for you, then you're going to be in trouble. And you might say to yourself, well, if I say this thing, this other person's going to blow up. They might. That still doesn't mean that your calibration doesn't stay intact. Our, what I talk a lot about you having, and I'll end on this, but I don't want your boundary, what you talk about or don't talk about, to change based on other people. That is a recipe for disaster, for codependency, for people-pleasing, 
for crap, for feeling like shit. That is not it. I want you to have your boundary. I say this all the time. Your boundary is the same, no matter how other people act. (laughs) If they're really nice to you, you don't relax your boundary. If they're really mean to you, you don't make your boundary thicker. You are just the same. You are the same loving, kind person in all this. And, And not reacting to how other people treat you, to what other people are thinking, to what other people want. Again, I did a whole podcast on this, you know, how to stop caring what other people think is really what's at the the core of this. Because again, the reason you're not, you're avoiding the conflict is because you're afraid of upsetting someone else. You're afraid of what they will think or feel. So, and this is again, the recipe for disaster. So I want you to turn this around. I want you to even stop using that term if you can. It's just a yucky term, conflict avoider. Uh, I'm using it here because, you know, that's our language right now. But I want you to think about it as an engager. (laughs) I'm an engager. I engage in conversations all the time that are important to me. You know, I want you to have a new mantra in your head and new wording so you can create these new positive neural pathways. And that is it. We are done for today. I so appreciate you being here with me. I love talking to you every week. It just fills my heart. It fills my soul. It feels so good. Uh, Remember, if you have questions that you would like answered on a future episode, or if you just have a topic you'd like covered, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. I read all the emails. I get back to you eventually. Those of you who have emailed know. Sometimes it takes me a minute, but I always get back. Um, <laughs> there's just times when there's like hundreds coming in. Uh, but there's other, you know, it doesn't matter. I eventually get to them. I really do, because I like to read them all personally. Um, or you can go on the website, the contact page. You can contact me that way. Either way, I love to hear from you. And even if you just want to say, I don't know, your thoughts about something on the podcast or whatever, I love, love, love hearing from you. It just makes my day. It just makes me feel really good and really connected. So that's it. I am sending the big, big love out this week for you. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Where's that dust coming from? 
Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's EUFY.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.